Welcome to the Hello First Name Podcast. The Hello First Name Podcast revolves around the term personalization and is brought to you by marketing author Rasmus Holin, founder of Omnichannel Institute and chief experience officer at the marketing automation software company Agilic. The podcast is based on the book Hello First Name. Each episode is based in turn on a chapter from the book, followed by a discussion of the very same chapter with an expert marketing practitioner in the following episode. As always, you can buy the book on Amazon or other bookstores. You can also choose to listen to it all for free on your favorite podcast service. You're also very welcome to download the abstract of the book for free, and all models, of course, are able to download. All downloads are sponsored by Agilic. I'll make sure to put a link to everything in the show notes. But you can always connect on LinkedIn, and I'll be happy to reply and help out. Hello, and welcome to the Hello First Name podcast. Uh, today we'll be discussing chapter 12 from the book Hello First Name, namely content part two, content feeds, together with Pierre Luigi Espana, Emir VP of Customer Retention and Engagement at Varna Plus Discovery. Pierre, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Pierre, you were part of actually the creation process uh, of the book, uh, and it's uh, and you're actually the protagonist of the sort of leading narrative uh, in, in chapter 12. Um, but a year has passed since then, and uh, also looking at your career, I can see that you've been working at Warner Bros. Discovery for some years now, uh, also some years before they merged, um, and, and before that even, you were head of CRM at Deliveroo in London. But maybe in your own words, uh, can you tell us a bit about it? Uh, how you got to where you are? It's a long story. I'm going to try to make it short, basically. But like I've been, it's been now more than 10, 10 years I've been working in this kind of field. I've been running, I've been working CRM on different extent, of course. I started as an intern and now I'm leading a big pan-European team. Um, the thing that I really like that got me there is, be, first of all, a bit of luck, of course, as always. Uh, but I have always kind of been passionate about how to make customers' life easier when mm. navigating different type of e-commerce. I've been working on different industries. I started with travel. I ended up in gaming for a while. Uh, then, as you said, the, the, the food industry with Deliveroo, and now I'm in the media entertainment. Uh, it's been a while. It's been more than six years. And the I think that the, the, the common thing that's been always there has been about how there's so much choice in media like Started with travel, like flights, booking flights, booking holidays. Whatever. There's a lot of choice. So same thing. Then imagine a Deliveroo. It's like when we started, like people didn't even know what, what it was, how to navigate the website, the app back then. Uh, and now media entertainment is just like, there's so much out there. And the, the role that I've had so far, it's always been kind of, all right, we need to get people people's life easier when navigating and purchasing or just co consuming our products. How do we do that? And there are, of course, different ways. My, my, there's only so much that my team can, can do. And that's mm -hmm. the part that I love the most. It's just, just what my team does, but how do we influence the rest of the companies, different teams to kind of support that kind of mission that we have to, again, make people's life easier and get them to stick around for longer, basically. That's the yeah. issue, right? Yeah, that's, that's so the many issue every day. So many uh, different options that consumers could take. There are so many, in, in your case, uh, pieces of media they could choose to consume. There are so many other ways they could try and be entertained and uh, and have fun. So, uh, so really, yeah, making sure that people can easily navigate. And there is only so much time that people have to dedicate to you because I mean I think it's a problem that everybody has. I mean I I do have that issue when I log in on Netflix or whether it's HBO Max or whatever it is. 
I spend a good 20, 25 minutes browsing, trying to understand what am I going to watch. And then the time is always shorter and shorter when I can actually watch something. So our job is really get people to get straight to what they would love to watch or what they, or what we, we, we think they're going to like. So it's a very important piece of work, I would say. And I learned that you recently became a father. I did. So, uh, I did. So congratulations on that. Thank I you. can tell you from experience that uh, time will not uh, oh, yes. <laughs> more time from that. Uh, more That's love, very true. But time, not so much. But uh, That's very true. That is very true. Okay. But yeah, here we are. My mother keeps telling me that someday, before I know it, uh, suddenly I will have uh, enough time on a Sunday just for myself again. But uh, people, people keep telling me that I'm waiting for that moment to be fair. But so far, time <laughs> hasn't been a, a commodity that, that, that I have at the moment. But yeah, I know it's going to go fast, faster than we think. So I'm going to enjoy oh, every moment. Coming back to, uh, yeah. to Warner Bros. Discovery, uh, I think at least I struggled a bit with finding out how the connection is between Warner Bros. Discovery and HBO even. Can, can you put a few words uh, to that for the audience? I'm going to try to put it like in a very simple way. Like, imagine that we had two massive co- entertainment companies that uh, where their missions and their kind of proposition was very different. Imagine the content that Warner Bros. Warner Brothers had had, specifically if you look at the HBO Max world, so the digital world, yeah. uh, is a very kind of leaning towards kind of big title uh, movies or series that really Game take your attention. Game, imagine Game of Thrones, all right? To watch, if you yeah. want to watch Game of Thrones, yeah. you really got to focus, sit down, watch it, follow every single episode, so it really takes your attention. And on the other side, you had Discovery, looking at Discovery Plus, which is a digital platform, you have very more lean back content, so kind of realities, factuals, kind of documentaries, that people do not need to kind of really sit down and focus. It's something that can even go in the background or you can watch like with your family. It's not really, um, it's not very time consuming. So at some point, the opportunity there was, okay, what if we put this together? Because I don't want to watch an episode of Game of Thrones every night. You know, maybe tonight yeah. I'm having dinner and I'm just kind of, I want to watch something easy that just relaxes my, my brain. Maybe I want to watch something about X on the beach, like a, a, a simple uh, piece of content. So the yeah. two t- together, I believe, we believe, the company believes, the stakeholders, the, the shareholders believe can be a really successful to kind of off cover all the different moments of, of someone that wants to add, uh, enjoy content, basically. The different types of, of entertainment and watching slash maybe screening a bit or having things things in the background, something that's very consuming of your, uh, uh, you need to be very aware of and something that can be more in the background. Okay. Also, that is 100% correct. And there's something about sports as well, right? Am I mistaking sure. or? Absolutely not. So Discovery, uh, Discovery Plus in EMEA has been always kind of, it's been considered was the home of the Olympics. So we had like a different countries, different type, type of uh, sports, right? That is a complete different game if 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 you can only <laughs> imagine. And now all of a sudden this is also put in there, so that covers another aspect of consumers' life because people might be interested in watching the outside open. And now all of a sudden, if you think that you have all of this together, also covering sports is amazing for for for, for yeah. us specifically for the retention team. Sport has always been a struggle because normally you come in to watch the sport event. I'm going to stick to the Australian Open example because an Italian just won the Australian Open, so I want to keep reiterating that. Uh, so imagine people who can come in, the Australian Open lasts for a couple of weeks, and then people who just leave. 
while now all of a sudden we have a bunch of additional content for people to stick around until the next tennis event is going to be May, Roland Roland Garros. So it really fits very well all together, but that's what we think and we hope we're going to see the results moving forward. A huge huge opportunity there and actually in in terms of retention that that you're ahead of. Mixing those two together. Actually, I saw... uh, I saw one of your colleagues, uh, Frederick Salcedo. I saw him uh-huh. presenting at a conference in mm-hmm. uh, last year, where he was presenting a local version, actually one of the best examples of personalization I've ever seen, where they were ending the the sports league, uh, mm-hmm. the football league was ending, and then they were making this play a personalized video for everybody, showing them what would their team for the winter break look like. And the team was made up of, of different uh, series and stuff that you could watch. I'm Think very familiar with the example. We worked together on that with Frederick. Uh, we were very close together, if you can imagine. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that was a great piece of work that they put together, yeah. to be fair. And that kind of says, says a lot about how technology can really help you because that's all made of kind of algorithm and, and, and things. So it's yeah. great. Yeah, it is great. Yeah. yeah. I'll put a link to uh, to it in in the in the show notes. I think uh, Frederick has some kind of link where he's uh, he's talking about it. I was it completely blew my mind. It's one of the best nice. examples of personalization. That nice. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that you like it. <laughs> All right. So um, so in the uh, in the book, Hello First Name, I distinguish between uh, or we uh, the authors and I uh, distinguish between three types of personalization. The sort of the campaign style um, personalization where you're very much uh, doing different variants of the message depending on the segments that you are uh, communicating to. Then there's the marketing automation, which is very much a matter of outbound communication and nudging people to engage or re-engage or, okay. uh, or whatever. And then there's the on-site slash uh, in-app uh, personalization where you're basically more uh, working with content feeds that the marketer right. doesn't necessarily produce, but that would um, make it uh, more fun and engaging to to keep watching or to buy a certain product or whatever. So which types of personalization are you using at One Bros Discovery? Or which of them do you use the most? Maybe? We use all of the above, of course. Uh, and to different extent, uh, it's a little bit easier for us. So, so the first two, because we personally own them. So the, uh, the communication that we send to customers, we normally look at different segments, different interests, and we try to tailor make them specifically for those clusters. Uh, those automation that are kind of more based rather than based on what con- what piece of content we have is more based on how customers behave. So imagine yeah. you finish watching an episode of something and then there's a new episode available automatically will trigger a co- co- communication telling you, hey, there's a new episode available you might want to watch. And those yeah. we, we own person. So the retention team manage those and we kind of look at the data and we react to, to, to that. And that's email, that's notifications. Email, push notifications, in-app banners, uh, well, sometimes we're starting to explore more. I mean, starting to explore. It started a while ago. We're now getting into the scaling phase, uh, paid, ta- paid media retargeting. So kind of investing some budget to retarget customers outside of our environment, which is typically email push and in-app. So we, we, we try to kind of show you dedicated messages while you're browsing Instagram, Facebook, you name it. Yeah. Meta, exactly. Sorry. Um, yeah. Um, so we do use that quite a lot as a team we manage that but that can go only to a certain extent because then once you've done this so you manage to get customers attention outside of your environment then at some point they land on the home page and you need to replicate that and that's of course it's a different thing we work together it's the merchandising thing we work together very we work very closely together with them 
but that's a different piece of thing because okay you we got your attention with one piece of content we need to make sure that that is replicated on the website that experience is still happening there and then you have a bunch of new opportunities because then all of a sudden once you land there you might have my list you are continue watching uh or like things that you haven't really saved in your list but you show some interest or, or those personalized recommendations that we built together. So a rate that is called for you or because you watch this, now you've done this. So all of this goes very much together. The struggle there is how do you align what you do as a retention team, CRM team, however you want to call it, and what the merchandising team does on the web, 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 website. So these two teams really need to be one unit working together, having similar KPIs, which is eventually increasing engagement. Can you explain what, what does a merchandising team do They own that all of those rails. So whenever you log into whatever, whether it's HBO Max, Discovery Plus, Netflix, Amazon Video, whatever, you name it, all of those rails that you see there, they basically so manage the different, so the, the different roles, exactly, with the different tiles. They are managed by them. And the level of personalization there can go to extend the You, we can even possibly imagine. I was looking at a case study from Netflix, I think, where even the image that you see on a, on a specific tile is could be different between what I see and what you see yeah. because I've been watching movies from this specific actor while you've been watching movies with a specific genre. So eventually, the recommendation is the same, but I yeah. look at the actor on that on that little, little image. You might be looking at a, a, a big scene, an action scene, whatever it is. So. Exactly. Yeah, it goes very Where far. Where presenting the same piece of content is different exactly. depending on yeah. actually the reason that we believe this person is watching it or should Might be, be interested it. in that. Absolutely, yes, yeah. that's correct. All right. Uh, so, so I think is it fair to say, if I can conclude on what you say, that that working with um, on-site personalization or in-app personalization is very much something that the uh, merchandising team is doing, and you are working very closely together with them, but also with the outbound and the, and the campaigns. That's absolutely co 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 correct. And this is kind of a trend now, because if you think about now specifically our world, so the entertainment world, there, I mean, there's been so many talks about, there are so many different options, so many different websites, companies that offer different type of things. So all of a sudden, you're really fighting to retain those customers, because it's very yeah. easy to unsubscribe and jump from a product to another. So now the focus is shifting very much more towards retention than acquisition. We're still acquiring sales, of course, but now the goal is how do we increase our lifetime value? How do we get people to stick around for longer? How do we get people to stick around after that February show is over? So now all of these teams, before churn, retention, engagement was very much a KPI that my team would have. Now it's a company. KPI. We really need to work all together. So the merchandising team needs to be involved in that. And there are many other things, MarTech, product team, people that build the website. We all kind of trying, figuring out how to really work together to make the experience better and get people Let's to stick around for longer. One of my old, uh, one of my old points. For, so the first book I did in 2019, which make it all about me. It's about omnichannel marketing. And within that, we, I think we We, my, me and Colin Shearer, my, my co-author, we arrived at the conclusion that if you want to be really customer-centric, you need to also look into customer-centric measures. And I would say customer retention and customer churn is indeed a customer-centric measure that you can be aiming at no matter which department that you're in. And that All actually right. fosters collaboration about the most important business terms. Absolutely correct.
great. Uh, all right. So, um, so, so the chapter. I mean, we're already deep into discussing this, so we might skip a few yes. of the, the the planet uh, questions. So, I normally say that as opposed to to messages, uh, which is one type of content, um, the content feeds consist of a content that the marketer doesn't create but feeds from somewhere else. Yeah, and it, it may be obvious, uh, and you have the shows and the episodes, but which types of uh, which content types do you work with in in feeds? So imagine that once again, different content, different type of behaviors. So we have the the database is used. So you got movies, you got series, you got documentaries. As you said before, we we now got sport events that fit into this. How do we get all of it together? And it's a mix and match, of course, because every single experience of a different customer experience is going to be di different. So we might want to have a good balance between series, movies, the, when there are big sport, sport events we are, we are approaching. Still a few days, a few months ago, but the Olympics are coming. So it's a major sport event, which also kind of fits very well with an entertainment proposition because the Olympics was beyond sport, of course. So how do we get all of it together? And those rails are basically perfectly fitting for that purpose. And yeah. Yeah. So or I can tell you, like, for example, like you start watching the sport events and then all of a sudden we got documentaries about athletes, about they all fit very well in there. So we know that if you've been watching, again, a tennis event and there's a documentary about Agassi, you might want to be interested in that. So that mm -hmm. goes into the rail for, 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 for you, which wouldn't normally go. So yeah, all of these pieces of content go together and it's a mix. I know that we might get there later on, but it's a mix between what is automatically pulled in because of the yeah. algorithm behind and what we believe we should be putting in. So it's kind of a hard-coded... Exactly. exactly. That's the editorial curated part of it because not, the algorithm can get very far, but there's always yeah. that kind of human element because we know better the, 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 uh, our base. We know what's going on in each market. Imagine like as all of a sudden there's a big press release about someone, so we want to put that one there. Yeah. And the algorithm couldn't have picked that up yet. There's also exactly. the goals Exactly. I mean, if you don't have the, the data because things are happening here and now, then you cannot wait for the algorithm to pick up that. I can give you an example. I can give you a very good example. Uh, I don't remember the name of the document of the, the show, but a few months ago, there was the Johnny Depp trial. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you, if you remember that. And that was kind of that. Genre. So there was John, Johnny Depp against his, his wife. They were divorcing. It was a big thing. And we were kind yeah. of broadcasting that. That yeah. type of show wasn't really interesting for many people because it's a kind of gossip. Or but the buzz around it was so big. Mm -hmm. that was, I was like, okay, this needs to go top of the radio because people will yeah. want to watch. Even if you don't normally watch this type of content, all of a sudden yeah. this is big in, in the US, it was huge, you can imagine. So it was kind of, again, top. That, that was a curated part of yeah, what we Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Mm, because in in the in the book we were and I think many of the the listeners here will also be maybe some of them retailers or channel retailers. You like to think of content feeds as product feeds, and many uh, companies when they send out a, an email, it just has one block or one rail, as you call it, one group, and then it's just least irrelevant products for you. And then there's uh, really not much uh, more necessarily put into that. I think that's the, that's the poor example of it. And then some of them also have maybe another rail or a group or content block, which has then, uh, you know, news articles or how-to articles or do-it-yourself articles. And if they're really good, then they also have one which is with user-generated content. But I think with, with you and with Barnabas Discovery, you basically have the very much the 
the same type of content which would happen to be you know stuff that that can entertain you uh, but then the subcategories within those are almost infinite you know sports and uh, series and movies and all the subcategories uh, within that um but but coming back to to that i think obviously if you go into to the the hbo uh, app mm -hmm. you will see a lot of the roles and and can you tell a bit about how you do the headlines because you it's like i sometimes compare this going into supermarket and if I look at, uh, and if I'm in a supermarket where I don't normally shop, it takes forever because they the shelves are all in the wrong position. The rails are not as I normally have them in my local supermarket. So for what I look for when I go into a new supermarket, I look for the headlines. So the headline for the for the different shelves, so I can find the spaghetti, so I can find the milk, so I can find the whatever. So how do you work with, with headlines? Which headlines do you give them? Which are personal, which are dynamic? Can you say a few words about that? So I can tell you, first of all, all of those headlines, like imagine there's a big testing behind them. So, because you don't really know from, from the get go, is it like, I give you a, a very simple example. Is that for you or is it that because you watch this or is it that tailored for you? Like there are different kinds of ways to present that. So we, we do a lot of testing there and that's the first bit. Another thing that might be a bit controversial here is we all know that you, I'll give you the supermarket, supermarket example. You get there, if I show you at the very beginning, all of the products that you would normally buy, or if we go back to HBO, all of the shows that you most likely are gonna watch, then I lose that kind of exploration elements because I also yeah. want you to find out new things that are yeah. that you wouldn't normally end up there. So sometimes I tell you, and people might have experienced that, that continue watching or like uh, my list things or not, are, they are more down in your scroll and at the beginning you might be seeing shows that I never watched this kind of things that's made of purpose because we want you to kind of put in front of you some things that you wouldn't normally do and you gotta find the balance because you don't want to annoy people because at some point you say hey I'm getting that because I just want to yeah. keep watching that show that I was watching yesterday I don't want to scroll three it's times exactly but for the supermarket imagine the goal of a supermarket is to let you go all around so then you will start buying products that you wouldn't normally buy or that you don't normally need, of course. So it's kind of finding that balance and that's all about testing, to be fair. That's the machine learning helps you understanding what is the best position for the for you. But it's also a matter of uh, actually personalizing that approach per individual because as I see it, and at least within retail, you would have the the easy so if you want to do a win back if you want to, people to re-engage if you have a frequency problem then you'd want to tease people with what they already had or what they had when they were engaged whereas if you are uh, already have a sound and, and, and a good frequency and maybe no immediate danger of retention and engagement dropping then you would try and, and do this cross sell into uh, to other categories yeah changed uh, the room uh, <laughs> we were talking about uh, supermarkets actually yes. we're talking about when is the right time to, I mean, you, of, of course you can test, would it be better to show people what they already have or what they normally have on top uh, in the app or on the website, or would it be better to tease them with something else that could maybe broaden their scope and so on. And we were discussing whether this could actually be a, a personalized approach where if you already had a sound uh, frequency, you would maybe then try and tease people with something else they didn't normally have. But if you were really struggling to get people to engage, then you would 
reach out and, and, and try and get them to engage with something they normally did or they already you already knew had an interest with them. And it's about always finding that balance. And it's, again, it's about testing. It's about kind of exploring and try to understand what is the best possible mix that you're going to put, put in place. Takes time. We, we are getting there. Yeah. Uh, and are you working with, uh, are you changing the order of the rows uh, dynamically or the order of the, the rails uh, on an individual basis? That we, 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 we are, of course we are. And um, I would say even within the same rail, you and I are not going to see the same, the same titles. Different titles. We discuss, so you're going to, so, so the, the most relevant for you might be different for me. So even if we have similar interests, so we might want to, we might be interested again in action movies. Your history is different than mine, so yeah. within that, that same genre, we wanna so automatic. That's all done by by the algorithm, of course. Uh, unless yeah. sometimes we tweak it, as I was saying before, we might, we might wanna put something on top because it's the, the show of the moment. People are talking in a specific market. Well, the bell is like, ringing here in Malaga. Yeah, uh, sorry, for, yeah, it's uh, it's, uh, it's okay. <laughs> it's, it is uh, what it is. Past ten here, so. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it is different. It, so, it, it varies, and it all led by the algorithm behind it, of course. So you're actually personalizing the content feeds on two levels. That's what I hear. So yes. you're doing it both on the on the rail level and and which rails With, should, should and show the, yes. to whom, but also on a content item level. Correct. So, Correct. So you and I would see different action movies in the uh, action movie rail. How would the um, how how would they differ? How how would you uh, decide between the two, or how would you? What drives the most value? Getting the the headlines straight, or getting the order straight? I would say the headlines. Uh, I I would really say that because that's where, I mean, it's the initial piece. Once I got to okay, this is the rail that I want to look at. People easily kind of keep scrolling towards yeah. right. It's easier. Yeah. To get them to do that, once they are, they, they realize, okay, in this trade, there's a really lot of things that I might want to watch that might be interesting. Yeah. So it's easier. You still want to put some orders there, but I think that that is the most powerful piece. So to kind of have the headline right and have kind of, okay, I'm here. This is what I want to watch. This yeah. is where I'm going to find something that I want to watch and, 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 and go up. So if you as a consumer buy into the headline and say, yeah, this is the right rail for me. Correct. That is okay correct. with scrolling. Yeah. That is correct, uh, yeah. if, if I can find the the right shelf where I know they have pesto, then I'm okay with. Then you're gonna look at all of the different types of pesto that you might gonna like, but you're yeah. gonna get pesto for sure. And yes. Find the perfect uh, milk or whatever. Okay, uh, are you great. Still um, yeah, I'm still here. By the way, if the image is a bit blurry, oh, don't I, worry I because got, everything I, is. I got, I got. Okay, okay, all good, all good, all good. Uh, all right. Uh, what's the come a bit f elaborating a bit further on this? What's the value of a of a good headline? So I I assume that you are doing maybe A B testing on the best headline for a specific rail. What is the value for getting the right the headline right or getting it wrong, so to speak? You can easily lose that type of engagement. So if imagine like sometimes it's also related to how you want to propose your, propose yourself to customers. Imagine like if someone tells you this is what you should watch as a, as a different sound that uh, we curated a series of movies for, for you, for your Friday yeah. night. Yes. So more direct. It really has a different sound. Exactly. So you're, yeah. there's, a, there's an element of that that you kind of got to decide what your product stands for, what your personalization stands for. Is it kind of yeah. indicating people, okay, 
look, I know that you're going to like this, or it's more kind of your, your friend that suggested, hey, you should watch that movie. It's very good. But, yeah. Or like, a, it's, it's, imagine also the time of the week when you log, log in. So imagine like you log in on a Friday night and the, the tone, the headline there is going to be different yeah. than something when you show the Monday night because it's different. So maybe Friday night movies, popcorn moment, whatever it is, while on the Monday nights kind of, you might want to say laid back, just watch it. Yeah. So it really changes that. And if you don't get it right, you're not going to get the customer attention that you want. And people are just yeah. going to skip, skip through it. So there is a value. I, I cannot tell you like the exact uplifting percentage of engagement, but there, there is a, a different uplift based on how you pick your headlines. And that, that's why you got to keep A-B testing and that's it. I saw someone from uh, <laughs> the audiobook company Storytel. So the guy who used to work there. He said that they they were testing uh, because you uh, dollar sign X, so very personal. Uh -huh. And they would show the the rail of recommended books versus uh, popular right now. Or exactly, and, and there was like a thirty percent difference in in uh, in uplift uh, between the two. I think that's quite saying. But obviously, if I navigate a supermarket and the shelves don't mean anything to me, I also lost. You're just gonna skip through it. Yes, of course. Well, like, I, I, imagine, I, I give you another example of the kind of the level of percentage that you want to do. Imagine a new subscriber that has been there for like, let's say a week. So a for you to trade is not going to be a very relevant because I've, I only watched maybe one show. So what, do, what are you going to recommend? Me? So yeah. that's where it's completely the tone of voice is going to be different because in that case yeah. is the must see on our website because you just got there. So I want to show you like, okay, these are the shows that you should, you, you should watch. So it really yeah. changes also based on who I'm talking to. So that same headline might be very different between someone that's been there for two years and someone that's yeah. been there for two, two, two weeks. So it's the level of presentation goes deeper and deeper and deeper, of course, until it should get to a one-to-one exactly -one level. Exactly as it would in real life. I mean, once we, we get to know each other, then we are we have a better history and a better, of course. A better arts at actually making a recommendation that is sound. So maybe changing it from being a bit more implicit when you don't know people that well and being more and more explicit to so say, Pierre, this is correct. You cannot miss this. This is exactly correct. for you. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Absolutely. That's a very correct. interesting principle. Uh, because in, in the book, we're also discussing, you know, implicit versus explicit. Normally say that if you have a lot of uh, data that you don't necessarily can relate directly to this particular person, either because you bought it somewhere else, it's third party data that's, I mean, then you, you cannot be, it's probabilistic data. So you cannot be very explicit in that. Uh, and then, so it's, it's more implicit. So you just suggest things almost by coincidence. And then over time, as you, you get wise and you get better, you can be more and more explicit. That's correct. That is correct. And uh, it grows, as you said, eventually from, from your life, you can get a very good example of that. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we're drawing towards an end here. Uh, so what's your, your best tip to anyone working with a lot of content and content? Test. I would say a couple of things. Test uh, as much as you can, because uh, what we've just been discussing, like there's no, you know, there's not got a golden bullet. You gotta yeah. try and test and see whatever is gonna work for you. And I think that uh, um, sharing data and information with different departments is key. 
Like I've seen the value of working very closely with the merchandising team, also with the acquisition team. It might sound like counterintuitive, but the acquisition team know very well where subscribers are coming from and what was the message that got them to buy a subscription or if we're talking about any e-commerce to get on the website, create an account. And that's the first level of percentage that you can get. You can already show them or told to them in the right way. So I would say that it's super important to share information with different departments. Don't work in isolation. The retention team, as long as that much that we can do, you need to kind of, it needs to be an holistic effort in the company. So it's our role to kind of, because I'm sorry, I'm going to be a little bit longer than that, but eventually, so the churn KPI eventually is the retention KPI, but this you need to kind of sell it to everyone in the company because eventually it's the lifetime value of customers is the health of the, of the company. So working with different teams and making sure that everybody buys in and we share the right information is super important, I would say. And uh, the final question about Little Tokyo, which I've really, really enjoyed, Pierre, I must say. <laughs> It's been a pleasure. Uh, I'm sorry for technical own... uh, things. It no, is, no worries. It is uh, what it is. Yeah, yeah, the practicalities of uh, this particular episode <laughs> is maybe a slightly it's different fine. than the other episodes. Um, <laughs> here I am in a rooftop on Mal in Malaga, and uh, clearly <laughs> there's something going on in your end as well. But um, your own favorite personalization uh, example that you've experienced as a customer. I... That's the question I always uh, ask. I don't have a favorite one. It's just like one that really came to me very recently and I was kind of mind blown by it. So as you said at the beginning, I became a father very re recently. And uh, with that came a whole new type of problems in my, my, my life. And one of those is I need to look for a nanny because uh, we both work. So we need a nanny in a few months. We're going to need a nanny. So, and that is, it might sound very simple. It might sound like, yeah, you go to the park, you speak to nannies and maybe you're going to find one. It's not the case. So there are websites that are like, there's a war behind that. And so I'm dealing with this war right now. And there's this specific website uh, in Italy where, where I don't want to keep advertising, whatever. I'm not going to mention the name, but it's one of the biggest ones. Um, and really, I was mind blown by the level of personalization that they got to. The message is very clear when you, when, when you create an account, it's like, you're giving to this, you're looking for someone that's going to take care of the most precious things that you have. Yeah. So you really want to nail it. So in order to nail it, give us a few information and we're going to get to a point where we can recommend you the best possible person for you. Yeah. And the trade, the trade off there was give us some time, some additional time. So answer a few questions, fill up your, your profile in a, in a proper yeah. way. And then you're gonna, we're going to save you a lot of time and headaches in looking for someone because we're going to get you three candidates and you're going to love all of them. And that's been the, 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 the case. So I'm a, my, my wife is not Italian, so we need kind of a, an English-speaking per, per person. I live in Italy. So we, and that's the first thing. Uh, the area where we live, our specific requirements in terms of timing because we yeah, work yeah. with the British, it's very, so you're very narrow, that, that thing. And we got to the point that was like, oh my God, you just recommended the best possible person. And that's amazing. because I did spend so, some time filling up that profile while my wife did not, I could yeah. see the different experience that we had on the website, the same website. I had three candidates that were perfect. She had a bunch of people that were not at all what we're look, looking for. So yeah, I, I think it's, um, I loved it. And it saved that's a lot of time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's also, I think, a point worth maybe taking out from that was the discussion about 
zero-party data and, and first-party data. Absolutely. That, I mean, to begin with, in a custom relationship, you may not have the option to have maybe any kind of first-party data. So if you can ask the customer to fill in their zero-party data and borrow that for a little while, that's that can also be a, a way of sort Absolutely. of getting Absolutely. the perspective of the right and that's that way, or you can start gathering as many information as possible in the first few weeks of a, of a, yeah. of a customer subscriber's uh, yeah. uh, engagement with, with the website. And that is crucial. So gathering those information is super important. What I was going to say before, how did this person came initially to the website? Uh, what, what is he doing the first few weeks? What, is, what, what, is, what are their interests? And then you can really get to personalized experience. The and discussion about uh, implicit and explicit personalization. When you have the Siri party data that that you know you've just been told, and therefore it must be correct. It's not something that you're assuming. You can also uh, you can be very direct, saying, "Pierre, we have this nanny for you because you said this. We give you this because you said this. We give you this, and it will not even be creepy or anything. It will feel like a normal conversation." So uh, I think that uh, that's the uh, that's the ending note uh, from here. Uh, so, uh, Pierre, it's been a huge pleasure, and I feel like we My could uh, go on uh, discussing this for 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 even uh, much <laughs> longer. But uh, that we'll have to, to wait for another day. So, again, uh, thank you for joining, and I hope we get. Thank to, you for to having meet. me. Thank you for having me. It's been super nice. Thank you so. Oh, uh, hopefully soon, man. Hopefully soon. I hope this was interesting for the listeners. Talk to you soon, man. Have a good one. Yeah. Bye bye. You too. Thank you for listening in on this episode of Hello First Name. Remember that all models and even a written abstract of the book are available for download. Do find the link in the show notes. Due to the slight mix-up of the episode schedule, our next episode of the podcast will also be a more classical podcast style. We'll be discussing Chapter 13, Personalization on Inbound Platforms, with a true veteran within on-site personalization, who just also happens to be an author within the field. Hence, we're welcoming Lars Bierkorn-Petersen to the show. Lars was a vital part of the DXP CMS side course personalization journey for almost a decade and was VP of business optimization before he went on to found the agency Altola and then the composable CMS product Uniform in San Francisco.